I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. All right, welcome in, everybody. It's the Important Nonsense Podcast. I am your host, Steve Bonham. You can find me everywhere at nonsense underscore Steve. Joined, as always, for the Wednesday edition, 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 edition by Mr. Neil Smith. Neil, how you doing today? Doing good, doing good. Just got treated to the rare Wednesday afternoon football debacle. Sorry to anybody who actually actually watched all of that. Um, I have to imagine there were better ways you could have spent that three-hour window of your life, like doing laundry, counting ceiling tiles in your office. I don't know, really anything would have been more productive than that. Yeah, the last time we heard from you, Neil, you were discussing the Ravens game on Thursday Night Football. And yet, here we are a week later, just now completing that game. And, uh, you know, this is fitting for us, too, because normally when you and I do these Wednesday productions, it's always a matter of, oh, hey, if this guy happened to be dropped in your league or if you're looking at this on waivers, or this is someone that may still be available or may not, we don't know. We have the rare opportunity, Neil, now that the Ravens kind of quarantined us into this position, that waivers in most formats aren't going to run until Friday, so that by the time our listening audience hears this show, waivers still will not have run. So this is a, this is a rare occasion for us. I don't know that this has ever happened before. In the, right outside of a yeah. Thanksgiving show, yeah, yeah. This is this is very odd. It's very rare. The whole situation is very fluid and very odd and very rare. But you know what, Steve? You know what we get? What we've been opining for for weeks and weeks and weeks. And it's sad that this is the way that this has had to go. But we get what we wanted. Apparently, no Thursday night football this week. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. We did it. We did it. No Thursday night football to have to deal with. You don't have to worry oh. about stressing about that. So nice. In the worst way possible, but we got what we wanted. Yeah. So there you go. So no Thursday game this week. No football now until Sunday. So you have That's a couple right. days of reprieve. We are heading into the final week of the regular season in most formats. And Neil, this week we are going to do our league winners show so we have seen it in years past guys from last season like Kenyon drake Devonte parker ryan fitzpatrick brashad perryman just to name a few who are widely available on waivers around this time of year that you can have for literally nothing because no one wants them and no one is paying attention but if you play them through the playoff stretch they are a player that will put up enough fantasy points to win you your league So unlike our normal waiver circumstances, there is no, like, has to be owned in less than 50% qualification. But the guys that we circled here, we made sure that are available in enough of leagues that it matters to you guys. So Correct. uh, We are going to start things off like we always do with the QB position. So, Neil, when you are scouring the waivers in most ESPN leagues, who is the quarterback that you believe can be a league winner for people out there? Well, this will be the third time we've talked about it, and I'll reference my my write-up. Only three? Only three. 
Mm, uh, might be more, <laughs> but it's minimum three. And I'll go back and reference my last trade table article. Uh, if you still have trades available in your league, kudos to you, because it means you play in a custom league where people really care. Uh, the player in question is Ryan Tannehill. And I understand they're not, they haven't all been pretty recently. They haven't all been great, but the analysis remains the same. Ryan Tannehill at quarterback is a league winner because he is available in just, it's about 50% of leagues. In reality, it's about 45. The reason he's a potential league winner is let me give you the schedule for Ryan Tannehill here, folks. This week, Cleveland at home in Tennessee on the road at Jacksonville, at home against Detroit, and on the road in Green Bay. All of those are plus matchups, and two of them are top-end, amazing matchups that realistically you're not going to get a better matchup than this, especially that Jacksonville game in Week 14. We saw what can happen. It doesn't take a whole lot. All A.J. Brown has to do is make one guy miss. 70-yard touchdown. The volume's not great. I acknowledge it. They don't really, they're not a pass happy offense. So it might be, might cause you a little bit of concern, but the efficiency critically is there for Mr. Tannehill. He is on pace to finish the season as a top 10 quarterback. That's right, internet. That's right. Get off my lawn with your, oh, Ryan Tannehill's bad. I haven't watched tape since he was in Florida. Like it's, no. Ryan Tannehill is a, is a very efficient quarterback with enough skill position guys that they're going to score enough passing touchdowns. I understand Derrick Henry takes the, the, the bulk of it. This, Ryan Tannehill is your guy. You can likely acquire him off the waiver wire. It's a slam dunk for me. They're really yeah. in, a, in, a, in a situation where really there, there isn't anybody that I would trust more, frankly. How about you? Is there anybody that you would feel better about than Ryan Tannehill the rest of the way if you needed help? Better, no. I'm with you. He was my number one QB as well. Just to piggyback off of that, the last two weeks now, he has been QB nine. He's been a top 10 quarterback to this point. Uh, and that playoff schedule you mentioned of at Jacksonville versus Detroit and at Green Bay is the seventh easiest in terms of QB fantasy points allowed of any QB in the league rest of season. So he's got an easy schedule. He's playing well. The team in general is playing well. Uh, it, this is just another one of people have their biases against certain players, and they just want to hate Ryan Tannehill to hate Ryan Tannehill. They hold those Adam Gase years against him. So, yeah, it, it's he, he's an easy pick for me. The one, the one that I have, though, the other one on my list, is Jared Goff. Now, I, I will give you that he did not look good this past week. He has not looked good many times this year. He had three fantasy points last week, Steve. Count them Correct. all. Three. Uh, but... He is owned in only 50% of leagues, so half the leagues out there, he is still available. For the playoff stretch, the Rams play at home against New England, at home against the Jets, and then on the road against Seattle. It is the number one easiest playoff schedule of any quarterback through the fantasy playoffs. If there is anybody out there who is going to throw the ball around like crazy, and has the best possible chance to put up those fantasy points, I think it could end up being Jared Goff. Who do I trust most on the waivers? It's Ryan Tannehill. But if I'm looking for that home run miracle a la Fitz Magic from last season, I think it's Jared Goff this year. Okay. That's fair enough. 
uh, I'd say the reason he doesn't get over Tannehill would be to piggyback on what you were just saying. It's the the risk, it's the the floor. In, yep. the floor, the inconsistency of it, and yeah, the potential to take a literal three is literally on the table with Goff. So you are playing with fire a little bit yeah. there. Yeah, with uh, Tannehill, I feel like you're playing with like anywhere from 18 to 26 points. Yep, that's, and that's probably the, fair. But with Goff, you could get up to a 30. You could. But you could also go down to a 2. Correct. So the ceiling is, is higher yeah. for Goff. I will concede that to you yes. 100%. The ceiling is a little bit higher. But So those are really the guys. I mean, and it's... Yep. It's kind of an interesting list because we were going to also do honorable mentions, and I'll kick I'll kick off my honorable mentions for this category. Let's say, for example, both those folks are owned in your league, and maybe you're in a deeper league. I'd say either, for me, honorable mention, either Fitzpatrick or Tua, depending on who's starting, because they are both widely available. Either one is widely available. Whoever's starting will be available. Tua is still only owned in 30% of leagues. Tannehill less than that. Or excuse me, Fitzpatrick less than that. And what you like about about that is they play Kansas City in week 14. You don't like the week 15 matchup against New England, but they play the Raiders in week 16. It's a road game, but I'm not totally scared off by the Kansas City or Raiders matchups. The New England one even is, is, is even not as scary as what it would have been in previous years. Previous right. years, that's a must avoid. Now it's just kind of a, eh, I don't love it, but... I don't, you know, I'm not going to like totally avoid it. So those would be my honorable mentions. It's the Dolphins QB, whichever one happens to be starting that week. If I was really up against it, that's where I pivot. If either Tannehill or Goff aren't available to you. Yeah. And I feel like that's a good call, but either one of them to me, I think is more risky than either of the other two already. Correct. Mentioned. Oh, correct. Yeah. Oh, for a hundred percent. Cause right, Fitzpatrick so gonna... could throw five interceptions. Exactly. And two yeah. could throw for 70 yards. Yep. So that those that's the risk you take. But we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll get into running backs. All right, we're back. We're talking about league winners for the playoffs. We're going to go into running back. Neil, who is your league winning running back available on waivers right now? David Johnson. Is it 2016? No. Wait, hold on. It's not 2016. Okay. Hold on. Let me re recycle these notes real quick. Hold on. I got to flip the page of my notebook here a couple of years. Hold on. Hold on. There, there we go. Okay. Kaboom! Yeah. David Johnson, of course, for those who maybe haven't been playing football for that long, fantasy for that long. Poster child for league winning running back. Uh won a huge amount of people their league in 2016, including myself. Uh always a soft spot for David Johnson because of that. But in terms of in terms of 2020, boy, how the this is a Phoenix level <laughs> regeneration here this <laughs> rising from the ashes rising <laughs> from the ashes is james white through attrition He's on fire <laughs> through <laughs> attrition james white will have to qualify as the league winner here folks he is available in less he's available in 52 percent of leagues which is amazing considering that he was uh, almost 90 plus percent rostered at the start of the year Hasn't been right for a lot of the year. He had the personal issue with his with his family that we won't go into here because it's a fantasy podcast. But of course, your performance is going to suffer when you're dealing with something like that off the field. And also, Rex Burkhead. They love to run that car wash in New England. We always talk about it every year. 
there's always value because they always run the ball, but you never know who it's going to be week to week. It makes us all very difficult to trust. The analysis on James White largely was he'll have value and separate himself because he's been there. He knows the system and he catches passes. Most important, he's their pass catching back. Well, Rex Burkhead was doing that for a big chunk of the year. Rex Burkhead, unfortunately, done for the year. Hopefully he can heal up and come back for next season to throw more flies in the ointment for the, for the New England rushing attack. But with him gone and Sony Michelle being flatly terrible, fight me. Fight me, Internet. I'm done with this conversation. Sony Michelle is – he was active. He might as well be a healthy scratch. He is not involved in any way. You're down to two guys finally, Damian Harris, James White. Damian Harris is the hot new toy because he's the new Sony Michelle. He gets all the between the tackle stuff. He looks like better, younger Sony Michelle, frankly. He, if he could ever learn how to cut properly, Steve, oh boy, would he be terrifying. Uh, yeah. He's terrifying now when he just runs straight at people and knocks them down. I worry about that for a longevity standpoint for uh, Mr. Harris, but that's a conversation for the offseason. James White, once again, takes over all the passing down work. Damian Harris does not catch passes. He might catch one a game. And last week, James White got the red zone work, and he paid it off twice after Damian Harris struggled because he's a rookie. He's a rookie, and they also have Cam Newton, which, he, which he eats into some of that goal line work, which throws some cold water on Damian Harris. For me, James White's going to be the, the, the recipient of all the check down work, the vast majority of the red zone work, and as such, realistically, you're looking at about 15 PPR points a game. I'm less interested in this conversation for standard. I'm, I'm more interested in the Damian Harris side of it for standard, but who plays standard? James White for PPR is a potential league winner because he's going to get up into RB2 territory for the rest of the way. They have a great schedule for him. And in just in general, you always like to see kind of a veteran type presence with this type of thing. Somebody who you, you, you feel good about, it's not a flash in the pan. You can trust it to a certain extent. So for me, yeah. it's James White, and I'll kick it over yeah, to you. He's, he's only 48% owned, uh, 14.7 points two weeks ago when Burkhead got hurt, 14.3 points this past week with the two touchdowns. So yeah, 14.5 points a game in the last two games with no Burkhead in the lineup. Week 14, tough matchup at the Rams. You don't love that. However, at the Chargers this week, at Miami in week 15 versus Buffalo. And then if you play all the way to the end of the season, week 17 versus the Jets, all plus matchups the rest of the way. Uh, yeah, to your point, two weeks ago against Arizona, he had nine targets. Last week, he only had the one, but he paid it off with two touchdowns anyway. That's right. So he's, he's going to be the PPR guy. He has the highest floor with Rex Burkhead out of the lineup of those two backs. So he is the one I would prefer. I will also say Jamal Williams, 46% yes. yes, He has a 42.9% share of the carries out of the backfield. So this Our guy is, from the preseason. Yeah, our Everybody guy. It's, it's basically a 55-45 split between him and Aaron Jones. He outscored Aaron Jones this past week because Jamal was the one that ended up in the end zone. In fact, since their bye, he has gotten a majority of the carries and has been more involved in the passing game as well. In his last three weeks, Jamal Williams is averaging 10.1 points per game. And again, this is all with Aaron Jones healthy and in the lineup. If something were to happen to Aaron Jones, 
The two games that he missed this year, Jamal Williams 19.8 points per game in those two contests. In the fantasy playoffs at Detroit versus Carolina versus Tennessee, it is the second easiest running back schedule for the fantasy postseason. So again, even if Aaron Jones is healthy, Jamal Williams is a flex consideration with a decent floor, but his ceiling goes through the roof if something happens to Aaron Jones and he tweaks something here this week or the week after. So Jamal Williams is a guy you definitely need to own on the back end of your bench for sure. Oh, I thousand percent agree with, with the Jamal Williams stuff, especially with that schedule. My word, it does not get much better than that. Like it's about as good as you're going to do short of being David Montgomery, who is not relevant for the purposes of this conversation. (laughs) Honorable mention, honorable mention. I do uh, because it's shocking. And this is, goes back to something you and I have been beating this dead horse for weeks. It feels like, and we're going to give it one more kick on the way out. Uh, Latavius Murray. Latavius Murray is available in more than 50%. And that's wrong. Just generally speaking, it's wrong. Then we layer on the idea that Sean Payton is a lunatic who has decided that he's going to turn the team over to Tim Tebow. Uh, Like, ask any Alvin Kamara owner how they feel after the last two weeks. And then Latavius Murray just goes off last week because they're playing the Broncos, who have no quarterback. Then The worst game I think I've ever seen. Uh, But with Taysom Hill as the quarterback, for the Saints, until Drew Brees can come back, and who knows? We'll see. I Latavius Murray needs to be rostered by every Alvin Kamara owner, period. Secondarily, should have been, yeah. been anyway, but that's not what the case is. And secondarily, Latavius Murray, at this point, if that's the offense they're going to run, and I see no reason why they're not, especially considering they've won both those games and they're playing the Falcons again this week, they're probably going to win that game too. Latavius Murray is getting much more usage than he ever did with Drew Brees in there because Drew Brees is an actual quarterback who throws passes to Alvin Kamara. See, Taysom Hill is a tight end that is like Tim Tebow-y that runs around and he nukes the red zone stuff because of it. He just sucks it all in onto himself. He doesn't, Alvin Kamara is in jeopardy in my mind of falling off that number one running back spot. And he already did in a lot of leagues, depending on your scoring form, obviously. And I, you know, Latavius Murray is a great compliment for what they're trying to do with Taysom Hill. They can't throw it at all, so it's got to be a lot more running. And Latavius Murray is a great compliment because he's your traditional north-south runner, and we've seen it for years with Latavius Murray. He's really good at that specific job. Being the north-south, beat you up, pound you into the ground style running back, well, they need some of that. They need some thunder and lightning if that's going to be the offense you're going to run because you effectively are, are playing with three running backs at any given moment, you know, and sometimes all three of them are on the field at once. Yeah. So Latavius Murray, to me, is a borderline flex in and of himself the rest of the way, yeah, in addition to sure. being the most valuable handcuff, period, end of story at this point. you ha- Latavius Murray should be owned at 100% of league, 100%. period. Uh, let's move on to wide receivers. Who is your top wide receiver free agent ad at this point? Uh, it's not sexy, but it's Cole Beasley. And that has nothing to do with the individual looks of the man in question. Because if I had hair like that, <laughs> my God. Like, it, that's, you know, my God. But here's here's what I'll tell you. Cole Beasley, very quietly, very almost silently, is a wide receiver too. 
in PPR currently. That's insanity. We were high on on Cole Beasley because we always are as a website, but we usually view him as a wide receiver three type of flex type of consideration. Not this year. Not this year at all. He is a wide receiver two. And you're talking about two weeks ago, pre-buy against Arizona, week 10. He had 11 receptions on 13 targets for 109 yards and a score. That's not an accident. Anytime they go up against somebody who's weak against slot coverage as a defense, Cole Beasley goes off. And on weeks when they go against somebody who can actually cover the slot, he still puts up double digits for you. Cole Beasley has scored double digit fantasy points in every single week this year, except for two weeks, eight and weeks, nine. Every other week, he has at least double digits. You are not going to get a better floor than Cole Beasley. Like I said, not sexy, but in terms of something that could actually win you your league because you need a consistent flex to play that is not going to get you less than 10, but could get you as much as 30 because that is his high watermark for the season, that Arizona game that I already referenced, 29.9. Yeah, Cole Beasley is your guy, and he is available in 45-ish percent of leagues. So for me, it's Cole Beasley just for the floor. If, if we can talk about upside guys a little bit later on in this analysis, but you don't find guys like this in fantasy, Steve. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Not it's John PR. Brown being hurt on the IR, too, is also that, helping him out. That also helps. Yeah, and Gabriel Davis is a nice story, but that's not enough yeah. to like derail Cole Beasley. For me, there are some. Uh, I've got a couple of them here. The primary one I'm going to go with, though, at just 9.9% owned, is Darnell Mooney. We talked about okay. a lot in the preseason. The rookie uh, out of Tulane, I believe, for Chicago. He had two targets in Week 10 against Minnesota, which was the week before their bye. That is his only game since week two with less than five targets. He has surpassed Anthony Miller as the wide receiver two on the Bears, and it's not even close. In week nine against Tennessee, a game they trailed the entire time, he had 11 targets. This past weekend against Green Bay, he had nine targets. Now, he hasn't converted a ton of them. There have been some terrible passes associated with those targets. The QB play is not (laughs) helping him, that is for sure. However, he is getting some unbelievable separation. This kid is an incredible route runner if you watch his tape at all. Throughout the playoffs, they will have at home against Detroit, home against Houston. So it's home against Detroit this week, home against Houston in week 14, then at Minnesota, then at Jacksonville. It is the second easiest wide receiver schedule in all of fantasy football. And they are games that the Bears' defense should be able to help them. But I am just looking at the Minnesota game with Cousins, Jefferson, and Thielen, the Houston game with Deshaun Watson and that offense, and even Jacksonville, if DJ Chark can get healthy and if Minshew comes back by that point, that these could be potential like shootout games where the offense has to do something. And Darnell Mooney could be the guy who's this year's Brashad Perryman that just comes out of nowhere and starts feasting. I mean, that makes sense if you're going to go with a bear because Anthony Miller has been bad and inconsistent this year. And more than anything, like Cole Beasley, I co-signed because that's a guy that you can put in your lineup right now. Well, it's also Mooney is a guy that I'm putting on my bench and hoping pans out. Well, you also noticed that I didn't go through the Cole Beasley schedule like we've been doing because it doesn't. It's not relevant. 
Like this for for the sake of posterity, he's got a game against Pittsburgh in Week 14. They're one of the worst coverage units against the slot. It's a five star plus matchup. It's amazing. He plays Denver in Week 15. You hate it, but it again, it's not super relevant with Cole Beasley because it hasn't mattered to this point at all. Bad matchup, good matchup. It's between 10 and 30. Good matchup. Maybe he gets you more upside, but yeah, you can put him in as a flex. To your point, today. And I know people that are right now. He could be your flex. So that's why I agree. He's a cut above your your Darnell Mooney's who are like, put him on the bench and in a matchup, in a matchup spot. Okay, we can go with this, but it's not like a set it and forget it type of deal. There are very precious few guys that are were to this point in the season that are just available that it's like, no, I could just pick him up and start him. It's perfect. Yeah, I feel like one of those guys too, though, that we also talked about a little bit that it was that I would just lock in as a flex for basically the rest of the season, especially if you're in a three wide receiver league where you play basically four wide receivers every week is Michael Pittman. He has okay. supplanted himself firmly as the wide receiver one on that team since returning uh, from injury in week he came back in week eight, but was still kind of getting reacclimated to the offense. So since week nine, when he came back, he is 19th amongst all wide receivers in yards with 251. He leads the Colts in targets during that time frame. They have a middle-of-the-pack schedule against Vegas, Houston, and Pittsburgh. So it's not spectacular, but his biggest thing is he's taken over the number one coverage. That game I mentioned in Week 8 when he came back and kind of got beat up a little bit, uh, they were playing Green Bay a couple weeks ago. And he had not good numbers because he was getting Jair Alexander. They were giving him the number one corner because he is the number one wide receiver in the offense and everybody knows it. So he, he is somebody that I would put into flex consideration for the rest of the season, especially if Phil Rivers keeps slinging it like he has. And if T.Y. Hilton starts presenting another threat on the other side of the field well, like he hasn't all year. Let's talk about T.Y. Hilton because he was an honorable mention for me, so I'll bring it up. Because I agree with you, Michael Pittman is somebody that you could actually justify just playing at this point. Pick him up and you can yeah. you can start him. T.Y. Hilton's not quite there yet. He did have a nice game uh, this past weekend. First one we've seen from him all year. First and touchdown all year. First touchdown all year. He actually looked a little bit healthier in that game. I saw the vast majority of it. And despite the fact that they were <laughs> that they were getting destroyed by the Titans, and the Titans have a bad secondary. T.Y. did kind of look like he's going to get off the schneid a little bit here. But to that point, you can't really justify playing T.Y. Hilton. Now, what I will say is he's available in more than he's available in 55% of leagues. And if he's not going to get the number one coverage, which he probably won't for the rest of the year, given what he's done to this point. I actually like T.Y. Hilton quite a bit more. And I think he's worth a bench spot again at this point. You can't justify starting him probably. Especially if you're a playoff team, you probably have some better options. But as an insurance policy, and it's something that I think is going to be better in the second half than it was in the first half, T.Y. Hilton is worth a bench spot to me just as a, hey, it could be turning the corner here. So it's it's worth it at this point, but you got to wait and see a little bit. I'm not going to come out here and recommend, oh yeah, just T.Y. Hilton's a flex again. No, 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 no. We've been burnt too hard. But he should turn the corner a little bit, and he should be better than what we've seen recently. Uh, do you have any other honorable mentions at wide receiver? Sure, yeah. Uh, for the t- short-term one here, which is why he doesn't go as higher up on the list, is short-term Jacoby Myers. I mean, Jacoby Myers has been fantastic with Julian Edelman out. 
He seems to be developing some rapport with Cam Newton. I mean, he's not going to throw a touchdown pass every week. But if you go back to week nine, when he really started getting in, you know, that was his big boom game, 12 for 169 on 14 targets. But if you go back a little bit before that to when Edelman first went down, I mean, four for 60, six for 58 on 10 targets, no less in that game. Uh, recently it's dropped. It's slowed down a little bit because it's going to, they're going to have some bad games in there, but Jacoby Myers is a solid waiver ad. And we'll see what happens when Julian Edelman actually gets back. But even before Julian Edelman got hurt, he was struggling with Cam Newton. He was also just beat up. He's getting older. And I don't know that you can really count on Julian Edelman per se for like a set it and forget it type of thing. And Jacoby Myers, I think has actually done enough to where he's going to be out there. He's going to be out there. I don't know that he just disappears when Edelman comes back. So as a as an oh-by-the-way type of waiver ad where you can get it, stash it at the end of your bench, uh, Jacoby Myers is an interesting one. And then my last one, uh, even lower than Jacoby Myers, but and, and this is one that you'll probably laugh at me. Well, at least we'll have a small conversation. Nelson Aguilar, in a sentence that I never thought – 2020 is a weird year. Right. 2020 is a weird year. Uh, but Nelson Aguilar. Maybe it's Carson Wentz. I don't know. Like it's maybe yeah, it's just the Philly saying. uniforms. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's been Carson Wentz that was the problem the whole time. I I can't tell you for sure what it is, but Nelson Aguilar has been very useful going all the way back to Week Four. So it's not like a one-game thing, and it's not every week. But he has some chemistry with Carr and Nelson Aguilar. Warts and all, you're not worried about somebody coming back from IR like you would be with Myers. Nelson Aguilar is just doing this. And for the rest of the season, they play the Jets, they play the Colts, they play the Chargers. And if you play and, and if you're in the championship, they play Miami. I'm not crazy about that because he might actually get the real coverage in that game. I'm not as thrilled about that. But that Jets game and that Chargers game, uh, who boy, he should be open. <laughs> For the record, he had a 15 against the Chargers the last time they played uh, in week nine. So it's ugly and you don't really love it. But Nelson Aguilar, as a deep dive down this little rabbit hole that, that we're going down, is he's on the page. Can 2020, man, th- that sentence like, <laughs> has bent my brain into a pretzel. Right. So I'm going to take a break here and I'm going to kick it back to you to talk about a couple of your honorable mentions because I know we got at least one yeah. that we didn't talk Along about. Along that yet. same... Um... Along that same line there with the Jacoby Myers, week 10 against Baltimore in that game, they only threw the ball 17 times. Like it was a very run heavy game script for them. And that is the only week of note for my guy, Demir Bird, when he was not heavily involved in the offense. I told you back in like week three, Demir Bird was a guy to keep an eye on. Since week nine, All right, so there was the Week 10 game where he had no targets because they didn't throw the ball much. But other than that, since Week 9, nine targets, seven targets, seven targets. He amassed over 200 yards, in fact, 221 yards in those two or those three games. And in addition to getting all the targets, he also caught the ball 14 times. He scored a touchdown. He's averaging about 16 points in that a game in that stretch. He he's having a good little run. He has a nice rapport with Cam Newton and to this point he still has run more snaps and more routes than any wide receiver in that offense. So Demir Bird constantly on the field 
somebody you can definitely take a shot on. Uh, He is owned and rostered in just 2.3% of ESPN leagues. So there's a deep dive. And if you want to go another deep dive, Neil, I'm going back to the well. Prepare to have all of the mentions talk about my homerism. Prepare to have all the mentions say that all I do is love on my Texans, and that's fine. It's fine. You could go right ahead and say it. I'm already prepared for it. All right. Well, they will, and I'll do it here too for posterity. (laughs) Randall Cobb went on IR. Our guy, Randall Cobb, on IR out of the slot. This past week, after a huge win on Thanksgiving, they cut Kenny Stills. And then just three days later, Will Fuller announces on Instagram that he has tested positive for a performance-enhancing drug and will miss the remainder of the season. That is so depressing, by the way. So just now, off of it. I don't want to just gloss over that. That is so depressing because well, Will Fuller finally having the season that all the Will yeah. Fuller truthers have been have been begging for, begging for, and really, frankly, like yelling at us about. Yeah, basically. we keep saying that he's a bust, and then they're like, "No, no, no! Look at how athletic he is," and and now a PEDs. Like, oh, it's just so brutal. It's just so, so literally going into last week. The Texans wide receivers were Will Fuller, who was top 10, Brandon Cooks, who was top 20. You had Kenny Stills. You had Randall Cobb, who were doing things on the back end of the roster. Now you've got no Cobb, no Stills, no Fuller. It's just Brandon Cooks. So who is the next man up, mind you? And at 0.3% ownership, available in 99.7% of ESPN Fantasy Leagues, it is Kiki Cutie. Kiki, do you love me? I know you do because we are riding. He is riding. Yep. He is there riding. you go. For now, the record, Neil, okay. in his career, all right, he he has not gotten a start yet this season because, like I said, he's been so far down on the depth chart. But he has played with Deshaun Watson in the three years of his career. And in the three years of his career, when he has started, the Texans are 5-1 and one in those games. Kiki QT is averaging 9.1 PPR fantasy points per game. He has 32 targets, 21 receptions, 275 receiving yards, and a touchdown in six starts. He's also had other games where he's been alongside Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins playing out of the slot primarily, where he's put up monster games. He's had many instances where he's put up uh, 11, 12 target performances and put up over 100 yards and a score. But I only went with the games where he specifically was starting because of injuries and they were thin at the position, which is kind of the situation they're in right now. Yep. So just by just by attrition, it is Brandon Cooks, and then Kiki has become the number two guy who is the most familiar face on the field right now yep. for Deshaun Watson, as crazy as that is. So he is going to get work. He is going to have the opportunity. And that Texans schedule in the playoffs is their home against Indy this week. But then next week, it's at Chicago, at Indy again. None of those are great matchups, but he should still be getting volume. And then in the championship, week 16 versus Cincinnati. Oh, my, my. Uh, that the Kiki QT just feels like the guy, especially in DFS, who's just going to put up a random 30 in week 16. And you'll be like, I lost because of that guy. 
that's the guy that cost me my fantasy championship I earned all season. Yep. It's yep. very possible. 100%. So there you go. Here's what I'll here's what I'll tell you cuz you're going to get you're going to get the the go trolls ahead, give me the after you yep, for this. Fine. Here's what I like. I like the general theme of the take and I like the the analysis of look, it's next man up. He's been there. He knows the system. There's nobody coming through that door to help him. Yep. And he's going to have to put up or shut up. What I don't like is the amount of drops that we've seen from Kiki QT, not just this season, but I'm talking about body work in general. Yes. In general, a lot of drops, a lot of just sloppy performances, which is how he ended up falling all the way down the depth chart at the start of the year. That being said, for as far down the list as we are as a spot starter. Yeah. Kiki QT does make a certain amount of sense and he'll be available for you. 100%. But the drops is why he didn't quite make my list. I, there's just too many boneheaded plays and drops that scare me a little bit. And we know that if you drop a couple, Deshaun's just not going back to him. He's going to just go and feature the tight ends. He's going to try and feed it to Cooks. He'll throw dump offs to Duke Johnson. David Johnson's theoretically coming back as early as this week. So it's not like they're totally devoid of yeah. talent. But to your general theme, I like it. I, the analysis is there. Yeah, somebody is going but, to be the number two. They are going yes. to add. Someone will be even when Will Fuller wasn't healthy. There was always a number two with DeAndre Hopkins. It there has is. to be someone. And my, if I had to pick, I'm going with Kiki QT because he's the guy most familiar with the offense, with Deshaun that has the rapport. Yes, the drops do absolutely scare me. But the main thing that the drops do, like I said before in our initial analysis of Kiki in the preseason, was that he was in danger of not making the team because they had so many other options. Because if you only get four targets a game and you drop one of them, you're just not going to see any more targets. When there's literally no one else to throw to, <laughs> and Kiki is just standing there wide open 20 yards down the field, I don't Beautiful. care how many times he's dropped it, they're going to throw it to him again. It's going to happen. So that, I would say fair. if anyone emerges, it's not going to be Jordan Akins who is atrocious you want to talk about drops my yeah, god yeah that's that's it's yeah. not going to be darren fells who is somehow getting beat out for snaps by jordan akins that should tell you well, everything it's, about it's the drops. how they it's feel the drops. about darren it's the, fells because akins we he's the <laughs> akins is the internet's yeah buddy the internet loves akins and go to twitter and check it out because yeah. everybody is taking the opposite take that you just took and what they're saying is oh no more will fuller akins it's the season of akins it's like mm, okay is he gonna get a? Is he gonna analysis. drop five drops and get a concussion again? Because you know I understand that like concussions, you can't really like hold that against him, but you kind of can because he's had a couple. And if it's not a concussion, it's a hammy or it's a hand or it's a, it's a whatever. Like he just can't get it all together and get all the horses going in the right direction. Right. Yeah. It's he, he's just not good. That's his problem. His problem is he's just aggressively terrible. So, yeah, I think I think Kiki QT for me is the guy, but I don't know. It could be any number of people. It could be anyone off of their practice squad that gets called up. It could be, uh, you know, they got uh, Isaiah Coulter, who's down there. Uh, he is. They currently have Damian Ratley. Remember when Damian Ratley was a thing for Cleveland for like three weeks? So they've got Damian Ratley down there as well. So. It'll be interesting. Somebody has to step up and be the number two. I'm just banking on it being Kiki. So 
Steve, before we move off wide receiver, because I know we're going to get we're, we've gone long and I don't want this to turn into Stephen Neal read your waiver wire to you, which is not the theme of this show. We're talking about league winners. But we would be remiss if we didn't mention the last two names on this list in passing. One is Alan Lazard. And this this is the most cookie cutter analysis you can get. But it really is. If you're on the field with Aaron Rodgers, good things can happen to you. And there's some warts here, which is why he didn't get brought up sooner, because he's been hurt. And you're dealing with the idea that, frankly, Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones could just do all of it in any given moment. That's literally how it's set up in, in Green Bay. But as the returning compliment, I like Alan Lazard to have a shot at resuming his wide receiver two clip that he likes to be on when he's actually healthy and in this offense. We saw him last week. He looked athletic. He looked healthy again. And in week 14, the Packers play Detroit on the road. And in week 16 for your championship, they play the Titans at home in primetime. You could do so much worse than picking up Alan Lazard and stashing him as a spot starter, back end of your roster. I am telling you now that that is a real thing. I don't like him as much against Philly this week in week 13. It's Philly, so anything could happen. I really don't like him that much in week 15 against Carolina, or if you played a week 17 against Chicago again, there's not a lot of upside on any of that. But specifically for weeks 14 and 16, talk about league winners. Alan Lazard as a flex. Uh, he's going to be ranked significantly higher those two weeks by both of us, I'm sure, than he otherwise would be. Normally, you expect to see him probably somewhere in the 40s. For those weeks, he's probably going to get up into the 30s. He's going to be listed as a flex. You can buy in now when no one cares, and I'm recommending that if you get this far down the list. And then the final one is hilarious because it's a repeat of last year, potentially, Rashad Perriman. He's gonna, he, he's on, he could do it again just because it's the Jets, and they don't have anything better. It's literally that. And since he has been back, he's been the deep threat for Joe Flacco all year with Darnold functionally being on the IR without actually being on the IR. But Brashad Perriman, week 14, plays Seattle. There is no better matchup, folks. There's no better matchup in your first week of your playoffs than Brashad Perriman. It's total boomer bust. I completely acknowledge it. And yet here we are. Here we are. Deja vu. Deja vu. There's a real chance Prashad Perriman could win you a week in week 14 as a flex. He's worth a pickup and just, I'm not saying run your way where you got to start him, but I'm saying if you're thin at wide receiver, as your fifth wide receiver, as your, and if it comes down to it and I need a home run, Prashad Perriman is certainly worth taking a look at here. Uh, but warts aside, as, we, as we've been talking about here, you're this far down the list, you're going to have some warts. But that being said, the upside's there, and that Week 14 matchup is tasty. Tasty, 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 tasty. All right, uh, let's take a quick break, Neil, and when we come back, we will talk about tight ends. Our friends at Monkey Knife Fight combine the fun and excitement of Vegas with DFS to make the ultimate daily fantasy prop game. That's right, and there are three ways for you to play. Stat Shootout, Rapid Fire, and more or less. In Stat Shootout, you put together a two- or three-player team that'll accumulate the most of whatever stat type you've chosen to play, like touchdowns, total yards, receptions, etc. Then you choose one of the three target goals for that stat. If your team exceeds the chosen goal, then you win. And the higher the target goal that you choose, the more you can win. So if I choose a three-man team for touchdowns, I can set the target at one and a half touchdowns to pay out one and a half times the entry fee 
or I can go big with a target of three and a half touchdowns to pay out 15 times the entry. I mean, obviously you go big or you go home. Obviously. Then there's rapid fire, where you select your team by choosing the highest scoring player in multiple head-to-head matchups of statistical categories, like who has more receptions this week, Michael Thomas or Julio Jones? Each contest will tell you how many matchups you need to get right in order to win, but again, more risk, the higher the reward. Sure, I mean, I only need to get two out of three matchups right to win one and a half times my entry, but if I can get five out of five, I'm looking at that 15 times payout again. You can buy me a lot of Janu Smith jerseys with that money, Neil. You sure can. Finally, there's more or less. Just depending on the contest, you'll be giving two to six players and their statistic targets for the game, like Cam Newton with 233 and a half passing yards against Miami. You have to decide if that player will get more or less than that target. But just like the others, more or less increases the payout the more risk you take. However, it offers the highest return as well. So you can go two for two to get that basic one and a half times payout if that's what you want to play. But if you've got the nerve, you can attempt to go six for six and hit the 30 times payout. So many John New jerseys. Well, the only thing better than winning money from Monkey Knife Fight is getting money from Monkey Knife Fight for free. Oh, do love the free. Just go to Monkey Knife Fight to sign up for a free account. When you make your first deposit, use promo code NONSENSE. That's promo code NONSENSE. And Monkey Knife Fight will match your deposit up to $50. This is literally playing with house money, guys. So go to Monkey Knife Fight and use promo code NONSENSE, N-O-N-S-E-N-S-E, and get in on the action this weekend. All right, tight ends, Neil, on the waiver wire, who is a tight end that can be a league winner for you this year? Boy, this is such a weird one, too, because we were on it, and then everybody got off of it, and then I think it's time to get back on it again. It's Robert Tanyan. There it is, folks. It is a weird bookend symmetry to that with, uh, with, with just the, the rise and fall, and then now I think potential rise once again of Tanyan. And the issue here is that we kind of brought it up a second ago with the uh, the the Packers just general at any given moment, it could very easily be <laughs> just Devontae Adams has a 40 or Aaron Jones just goes off any given week and they don't feature him. That being said, look at what he did just last week against Chicago, caught a deep touchdown. That's more than what you can say about anything else at tight end right now. Tight end is an utter train wreck that has hit a dumpster fire and is careening off a cliff. That's tight end. We've talked about this a number of times throughout the season. There are three, maybe four tight ends you could actually feel good about starting on any given week. Anybody else is a coin flip. So give me the guy that's playing with Rodgers, especially against some of these defenses that are going to have actual answers for Devontae Adams. They're going to go to Tanya. Jay Sternberger is not a thing. Alan Lazard might be good, which we brought up a minute ago. That's not a guarantee either. That's why he's so far down that list. And MVS is what it is. He had a zero last week and a costly fumble the week before. He he could theoretically catch a deep ball at any given moment too. But Robert Tanyan is the one that I think at tight end that if I had to hitch my wagon to that star and ride off into the sunset with it, that's where I'm going to, that's, that's the hill that I'm going to die on because you got him. He's playing Philly this week. That's a neutral matchup. 
He plays Detroit in Week 14 on the road. That's listed as a neutral matchup. They're better against tight end than they are against wide receiver. But honestly, <laughs> realistically speaking, I don't put too much too much faith into that. Carolina in Week 15. Carolina struggles to cover the tight end. But the cherry on top of this and why I chose him, Week 16 against the Titans, there really isn't a better matchup than that. It's basically the best matchup you're going to get for your championship. Robert Tanyan, a game I'm expecting Green Bay to be having to play everybody and have to throw because on the other side of the ball, we all know that they're going to just try and run that game out with Derrick Henry and minimize the amount of times Aaron Rodgers gets the ball. I could tell you that game plan four weeks in advance and I'm not even on the coaching staff. That's the game plan. That's what we're doing. I will bet you whatever you want. Kidneys, mortgages, that's that's the hill that I'm going to die on. And if you play until week 17, oh, hey, they play Chicago again. Look at what he just did to Chicago. Chicago struggles against the tight end. So for me, right. it's Robert Tanyan. And boy, is this list ugly. There it is, folks. <laughs> yeah, Robert Tanyan's a good one. Uh, the tight end for me is Jordan Reed. He's currently owned in 15% of leagues. Uh, in his four healthy games when George Kittle was out this year. So you had two at the beginning of the year, and then these last two weeks, 26 targets, 16 receptions, 153 yards, and two touchdowns. That would be 10.8 fantasy points per game, tight end nine over the last month, if you were to put all four of those games in a row. He is getting the volume. Uh, that, that offense kind of always runs through the tight end, no matter who the quarterback is they're hoping to get Jimmy Garoppolo back we'll see what happens if they continue to play the way they've played the last couple of weeks and stay in the playoff hunt maybe they will but yeah he's a guy that's going to get the volume which is something you can't say about a lot of tight ends my only other one my only honorable mention that I have for tight end is Logan Thomas oh okay that was my honorable mention too so we'll do that now (laughs) he has at least four targets in every game this season and as you and i have said many times neil and you brought it up uh briefly a little bit ago but there are three guys basically that you can count on week in and week out and feel good about outside of that it's just guessing who's gonna score a touchdown and in addition to being someone who has at least four targets in every game this year logan thomas is currently sixth among all tight ends in red zone targets with 13 for the season. So again, if you're he's 25% owned, that means 75% of leagues you can go out and get Logan Thomas right now for nothing and there's a decent chance more so than any other tight end that he finds himself in the end zone and wins you a week. Yeah, he's the third most targeted. He's basically the third option. Uh, in Washington behind only Scary Terry, Terry McLaurin, and Antonio Gibson. Yeah. That's it. It's it's Logan Thomas. And I will say this, too, to that point. Well, J.D. Uh, but yes. Yeah, but that's fell off a cliff pretty hard last week, and I've never been sold on that anyway. So Logan Thomas, to me, is more dependable than the J.D. McKissick stuff. The McKissick stuff's a nice story and good for him, but I don't, I'm not, I don't want to tell people to count on that. The thing that I would say is Logan Thomas – also, also much like Jacoby Myers, not going to throw a passing touchdown. <laughs> and Cole Beasley, actually. Not going to throw a passing touchdown every week. But he's kind of developing some chemistry with Alex Smith. And, boy, we got some stuff wrong this season. Like, we'll take our mea culpas and, and you know, far be it from us to sit here and be like, we're right about everything. That's just not true. But the, but the Alex Smith backup 
return starter thing. Oh man, we called that in April. Like it was amazing to watch that all come all the way back and come around full circle. And uh, Alex Smith has been the best quarterback they've had all year. He is an NFL quarterback, even with part of his leg surgically removed. And he's just, he's always been reliable. It's not always pretty, but he'll throw the ball on target where it needs to go. And as long as Logan Thomas can actually just hit the mark on the field, they're going to go to him because they just don't have too much in the other way of options. So I completely agree. Logan Thomas was also my honorable mention. Just for the sake of it, if you're looking at dart throws and you're you're just desperate, you play in a 14, 16-team league and there's no tight ends available, I hate it. I hate that I even have to say these words. And I'm... Trey Burton. Trey Burton. Oh, I made myself sick. But that's the final train out of the station is Trey Burton. Because as we've talked about all offseason and all season, one of the tight ends in Indy has value. We know this. They're too, in, they're too involved in the game plan, the Frank Wright game plan. Somebody's got to do that tight end work. And it ain't Jack Doyle. And it ain't Mo Cox. It's Trey Burton. And is he going to get a rushing touchdown to bail you out every week? <laughs> No, he's not. I hope not, yeah. But, yeah, I hope not, too. But people who pick him up might. But it's Trey Burton. He's just involved enough to where he's in the red zone to where he's going to pay you off a couple of the weeks down the rest of the season. He's got some good matchups in there. And if I was in a deep, deep league and I was desperate, it's Trey Burton. And I and I hate it. But, that's, but it is what it is. Should have been Jack Doyle. But that's just not a thing anymore. And for me... That's what it is. It's my last train out of the station. Everything else below that is is below replacement level. And it's literally, you could just close your eyes and throw a dart at a dartboard. And there you go. But Logan Thomas, I feel, is slightly ahead of that. But uh, Logan Thomas slightly ahead of Trey Burton, I mean. And Trey Burton yeah. is slightly above the schlock. Just the total, like, wasteland. And it's, it's that's how ugly it is, folks. It's literally that ugly that you're talking about. He's going to get two red zone targets every week. And maybe he gets a rushing touchdown. That's, that's what tight end is. That's streaming tight end right now. It's that ugly. So there you go, folks. Uh, there you go. 2020 league winners. Can't wait for literally all of those to be wrong. Uh, Neil, where can the people find you on social media? You can find me as always at nonsense underscore Neil on Twitter and the fantasy life app coming soon to Reddit 2021. Can't wait for that. Going to be a, uh, going to be a, going to be a fun transition. Uh, check out the website at importantnonsense.com. And if you have any start sit questions, hit us up directly. Also hit up that FF nerd for all your start sit needs. As you, as we pivot into the start sit portion of fantasy football the playoffs, <laughs> catch the fever. Uh, you can find me everywhere at nonsense underscore Steve. Follow the site on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at NonsenseFF. You can follow us in the Important Nonsense community page on the Fantasy Life app. Make sure if you're subscribing to the pod everywhere that you listen that you're leaving us a five-star review on Apple because we need them five stars. One, two, three, four, five, Neil. Five if you them. leave us a four-star review, I will assume that you are a hater. <laughs> we'll assume that you work for one of our rival podcast companies. That's just... Which we got to get some first, but then yeah, I was gonna say, we'll assume, like, yeah, <laughs> who's that? <laughs> we got to We got that. That's another off-season project. We got to start some uh, beefs with some other podcasts just to get a good rivalry going. We'll work on that. We'll work on that. 
Uh, but again, you can follow me everywhere at nonsense underscore Steve. And until next week, make sure you just keep up the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevier. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz. And you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!